This is Miss Kim Rubb, and you are listening to Tanya Tate Presents MILFs Making Money. This is Tanya Tate. MILFs Making Money. Hello to all you wonderful people who are looking to level up your loot. I'm Tanya Tate and this is MILF's Making Money. On today's show, how big is your hope? And today's guest is a UK mentor and guide of all things Dom, Miss Kim Rubb. And we are discussing turning a lifestyle into a business. So being a mom and being at home and working from home, you're always trying to multitask all the time to do so many things and my son Ozzy he's aged four so he's in preschool and he goes several mornings a week but then of course you know when it's that long weekend and you have those long weekends and everyone's like yay it's a long weekend for me I'm like oh it's a long weekend it's really hard to be able to think you know when there's a toddler preschooler kid in the background that makes noise and trust me when my son makes noise he makes noise sometimes he wants to be louder than you you know he was having one of those weekends that long weekend by the time the fourth day come he's like on fire and I'm like just trying to work on the simplest of email with noise going on the background it's really tricky to get the focus when it's Mommy, 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 mommy. Oh, and then I have to think about the noise and be like, thank you for the noise. It means I've got family and people around me, you know? I try and do that when I'm, when my heart's racing, my pulse is going 10 to the dozen. I try. <laughs> but it's difficult sometimes, you know, with other people. I really do interviews. I host my own podcast. I'm sitting here in my pyjamas in the house with my glasses on. No hair or makeup done. Just me. But like sometimes like other people, oh, can you do an interview? Yeah, sure. We make it audio. Well, no, not really. We need a video and um, it's going to be 60 to 120 minutes long, one to two hours. I'm thinking, well, first of all, I can't spare one to two hours, like one hour. Okay, I can do one hour if it's audio. No, they want it, hair and makeup. I'm like, how am I going to manage this? Because hair and makeup, you've got to fit it in. So there's an extra hour. I think it's really difficult for people that don't have kids, colleagues that don't have kids. It's like, I don't have three hours spare for a video interview. It's like, was I supposed to go and explain it all? Like, oh, I can't because I need quiet. I can't have Aussie. Like he picks everything up, he picks all your makeup off and touches it and wants to put it on your face. He's just trying to help. But if you're trying to do your makeup and someone's picking stuff up and moving stuff and running off with it, your heart's starting to race. You're already starting to get frazzled. You know, before an interview, I want it to be quiet, zone, stress-free. So by the time I do start the interview, I don't want to be sound so frazzled. I think I'm going to put that video interview on my get to list because right now I just don't have that extra time. I mean, for me, Ozzy, I kept thinking, you know, he's going to calm down. He's going to quieten down. He's going to get into the swing of things, you know, as all four-year-olds do. We're waiting. I'm waiting and it doesn't seem to be settling down. You know, there's a lot of things that Ozzy has going on. He's a child, he's at school, there's new things, he's learning. There's also some things that he's 
doing different than other kids. He's very loud. He doesn't he doesn't sit still. He's always fidgeting, dancing around. I feel so bad at one of the karate classes that he went to. They took his belt off him. They kicked him out of the class. He said he can only go to the other class. But they're thinking that he's just a naughty kid. But for me, I'm looking deeper. Kids are small and they're finding themselves and they're finding out what works for them and the direction they need to go and building on their own character. So for someone like Ozzy, he's a big character. He's got a lot of energy, but it transfers into class. He's very strong-willed, independent. But I've been noticing some things and other people have been noticing things and the school have been noticing things. So we've, we've got a whole big list together. So I'm working on getting him an assessment. He's quite sensitive to certain sensory things. So I'm going to ask the school for an assessment, the doctor for an assessment. We're trying to get him an OT, an occupational therapist for an assessment. So here's me. So I'm sitting down. I'm like, okay, he's going to be starting transitional kindergarten in August, which is a few months away. So I want to get him prepared and I want to get him supported because I don't want him to be that kid in the class that just sits down and then gets up when he's not supposed to and being really noisy and distracting and you know I don't want him to be that naughty kid in class I want him to be able to have as much chance as the other kids in his class but I really think that he does need some help with being able to focus and first time listening so it's that hope I hope that he can be as successful as the other kids. So there's me thinking, you know, I've got a long road ahead of me. I'm going to have a fight to get him all these things, to get him this support. But I have to tell you, I've been speaking to the school district and, you know, they've explained to me, like, the legal requirements. Um, certain children, they have to be assessed. If they're, if they're under certain categories, they can have an individual education plan which is an an IEP however the kids that don't qualify under that because they don't have one of the conditions that they have but they still have a lot of issues that they need help with as in with Aussie the support the focusing the listening they still have support for those kind of kids and I was listening to the conversation when I rang the school up to and, and I explained a lot of the things that Ozzy's got going on and the lady was really helpful and she says to me even if they don't qualify for the individual education plan at the school that he's going to be attending they have a learning center and they have behavior specialists like a specific person that that's her job and I'm thinking Wow, this school sounds like they really support a lot of the students. They don't exclude anyone, but they have the learning center. So if students need extra help with certain things, whether it be the listening, the behavior, they can go and have a separate lesson there. And I'm like, I I like the sound of this. The school appears to be very supportive. So there was me getting all worked up. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be in for a fight. I'm writing it all down. I'm finding everything out. And the person I spoke to on the phone, I'm just like, oh, she took the wind out me sails because she was like, she gave me as much information as she could and she's very supportive. And I was like, I like this. And when I thought about it, I said, you know, sometimes you want something, you just have to ask. And someone said to me when I, I was talking about Ozzy, they said, be that squeak in that wheel. And that thought has stayed with me. I'm going to be that squeak in that wheel. I'm going to be continue to advocate for Ozzy's education. And I want and hope for him to be a successful student. And something else that I'm hoping for, as I'm sitting here now, it's actually my mum's birthday. It was my mum's birthday today. And there's also something else that happened today. My auntie got cremated today. That's a big hope, isn't it? you sit there, it's like hope. I hope to go back for the funeral. I hope to go back and see my mom. There's a lot of things going on and it's like deciding, do you stop what you're doing now and take the trip over or do you save the trip till later on? But I'm hoping to get back there with Ozzy. My hope is all there. 
I can celebrate my mum's birthday another day. And my auntie's funeral, that was really a tough decision, that I was really backwards and forwards on it. But there were so many factors that I felt were not right for me. I'm working on the train and I'm working on my diet, my health, I'm working on my, my health, I'm getting stronger. To take a trip now, it will would really affect my body, the diet, the time zone change, the tiredness. I said to myself, I'm not sure if I'm there right now, if I'm ready for such a long trip for just a couple of days. And then I found out that crematorium, they now have uh, like a, a webcam, if you like. So it's a camera that focuses on the main part of the creme and the service. So I was able to get up last night at 1.45am in the morning to watch it in the UK. It was, it, it made me feel so much better that I might not have been there in person, but I was still there supporting spiritually. It's going to happen. I am going to go back to England. You know what? I was talking to somebody and they're like, you are going to go back to England this year. And they said, and if needs be, I'm going to help you make that dream happen. And I have to say there was a mention of a first class ticket. <laughs> so the person will be listening to this podcast. I am 100% positive about that. But I have to say, I am really blessed. It's on my bucket list. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I've never flown real first class. Like I've flown business class on like United. It's just the bigger seat at the front or business first class in American when you're just going from LA to New York. It's just a bigger seat at the front. It's not like transatlantic British Airways first class. So... I was always on my list. I hope to travel real first class. I want you to ask yourself, how big is your hope? What are you wanting to achieve? I'm going to invite you to dream. Dream that biggest dream. Think about it. What is your dream? What do you dream to do? And ask yourself, are you ready to fulfill that dream? Because I'm telling you now, you have so many better days to come. This time has been a little bit tricky for me. I've lost my auntie and I didn't go back there for the funeral. My brother, age 21, Davin, two years ago, he passed away, age 21. It's been a tough, a tough couple of weeks. But you know what? Never give up hope. It's like sometimes you're getting a bad day and I'm like, oh. I know that there's better days to come. And for me, there's better days to come. And for you, there's better days to come. So what things are you going to be doing to show your hope? How can we show our hope? You know, sometimes it's like, I believe in karma. So you give kindness to somebody, you get kindness back. So even something as simple as showing kindness to a stranger, that's it. You're living in hope. You've got like that little seed of hope and it's rooted inside you. But what you want to do is let that seed of hope grow bigger. The seed grows and your hope will grow bigger. It's like you're going to be following hope. Certain things can be bigger than other things. And hope over something negative like despair. No. And even when you're tired, it's like, just give something, even if you think you're tired in life or you're tired with today, just give a little something, just show a little love. It'll make that seed of hope keep growing. And if you hope enough, you can turn all those doubts into dreams. Like, am I going to get back to England this year? Am I going to? I didn't get back for the funeral. I'm not seeing my mum for two years. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I hope that I'm going to get back to England this year. I know I'm going to get back to England this year. I'm going to take Ozzy back to England this year. Something as simple as that as a dream with the hope in. I really want to inspire you to have hope. I want to transform your unexpected heart into something really big. Think about that hope. Think about that dream. And be ready to receive your dream. It's picturing it telling the universe this is what I'm hoping for 
and then being open to receiving it back because we are all in our own little ways miracle workers each and every single one of us are miracle workers things that you get that deja vu and things happen it's even if it's small miracles you are all capable of making your own little miracles choosing hope hope for that miracle to happen so here's something to think about thinking about Aussie you know kids at school and I remember when I was at school you think oh they're those naughty kids and maybe I was one of those naughty kids at one time but sometimes for kids all kids need is a little help a little hope and somebody that really believes in them while there's life there's hope and one last thing remember hope is the last thing that is lost never give up hoping coming up next on milfs making money myself and uk dominatrix miss kim rubb are discussing turning a lifestyle into a business This is Tanya Tate, and you are listening to Tanya Tate Presents MILFs Making Money. And my guest is one of the longest active dominatrix in the UK, with over 32 years of experience with everything fetish, from lifestyle to club events and workshops. Miss Kim Rubb joins me to discuss turning a lifestyle into a business. Hello, welcome, Miss Kim Rob. Hello, darling. Thanks, making money. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so good. I'm so glad that we we get to see each other. Well, me and you get to see each other. I'm going to tell everyone we are sitting right now. We've got a video screen that we can see each other, but it's they can only hear the audio. Oh, if they could only see how gorgeous <laughs> we look! Oh my god! <laughs> I just commented before we started, before we turned it on. I said. Look, Kim, I said, I don't record this on video. I said, because this is the way I look. Describe what I'm wearing, Kim. Yeah, well, I thought you'd got a Christmas sweater on, but apparently they're (laughs) pyjamas. This is me at home in my PJs with my glasses on. (laughs) And, you know, you're looking fabulous. Thank you, darling. I'm really so excited. I want to say... I'm very honoured to have you on and, you know, this expertise that you've got that you're going to be sharing with us. Um, So why don't you tell us about yourself and how did you find yourself getting introduced to the fetish lifestyle? Right. Well, believe it or not, I was in San Francisco, south of Market, Soma. We saw two transvestites walking into a bar and I went, let's follow them. That was 35 years ago, and the rest is history. But they, they happened to be not just any transvestites, but one of them was Mistress K, a trans professional dominatrix. So right. when K was coming over to the UK, my friend who lived there uh, called me to say, Kay's coming to London. Can I give her your telephone number? I was, yeah, yeah. And of course, you've got to remember, this is uh, 35 years ago, and this was before mobile phones. So this was somebody somebody calling me on the landline, no internet, no nothing. And she said, hi, why don't you come to a little S&M club with us? And I went, oh, what's that? Because, of course, back in the day... If you didn't know what something was, it wasn't generally in the Encyclopedia Britannica. So I had no. no idea. But I said, yes. I remember like years ago, even when I was at school, you wanted to find something out. You'd go to the library and you'd look it up on those massive, those big selection of encyclopedias. Now it's so much easier. You know, everything is like S&M. Google it. At your it fingertips. Yeah. Whatever yeah. you, somebody says something to you and you think, what the hell's that? You just look it up, don't you? And of course, back then, I did not know, but it sounded scary. But it wasn't. That's the thing. (laughs) It absolutely wasn't. It was the best night of my life. Well, maybe not the best night of my life, but it changed my life. Absolutely changed my life. 
So, so tell us, you know, people probably sitting there now and thinking, well, what is S and M? Well, S stands for Sado and M stands for masochist, uh, masochism. And you're either a sadist or a masochist or neither. A sadist is somebody who enjoys inflicting pain and a masochist is somebody who enjoys receiving pain. And of course, this is all consensual, what we're talking about. Nothing is non-consensual. That's not how we roll. Yeah, that, that is actually really important. You know, people are like inflicting pain and receiving pain. You, you, you know, I've done shoots where one of the companies I work for, kink.com, which are also based in San Francisco, they have me do a shoot and I don't like pain at all. I don't like any kind of pain. Me no. neither. No, it's not me. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to shoot for you unless I can be more of the domineering role. And so the people I shot with, they enjoyed the pain. But for me, I had to literally stop. It doesn't matter that they've ticked the form to say, these are all my things that I like. I had to physically, uh, you know, say to them, not on camera, off camera, are you okay with this? And for me, I had to be that person that was thinking, I want to know that you're enjoying it because if you're not enjoying it, that's not my thing. Oh, well, usually if people put themselves in that position, they are looking to enjoy it and generally are begging for it. <laughs> I love the begging bit. I, I mean, I I love being domineering with, with my guys and my fans, but I love that you are the most perfect dominatrix, <laughs> perfect mistress. And, you know, for me, I want... I, I'm, I'm going to take tools from you today. Edu I want you to educate me. And everybody else that is listening, I'm sure they're like, we need Miss Kimrob to be educating us. <laughs> well, I can actually, oh. because I do have a mistressworkshop.com. So I can educate anybody because uh, my workshop is not only in person, but it's online too. So I've, I've taught women in Morocco, Norway, Spain, Ireland, Scotland, Australia, so all around the world, which is uh, thanks to the plague that we've just had for the last two years. I don't know if I would have ever have done that prior, but that's something that's come out of that. And that's been brilliant because, uh, yeah, it's so nice to be able to educate people from all around the world. And it's such an amazing subject that, well, it's something that I'm really passionate about and just love yeah. imparting my wisdom. Right. I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about your workshops a little bit later on okay. because they really interest me. But I want to know, let's let's go back. So you went you went to the, the club night with Kay from San Francisco yes, to Mistress the S&M Club, yes. Mistress Kay. Yeah. And so tell me kind of where did it grow from there? How did the lifestyle grow? And tell us a little bit about okay. some of the things that you've experienced. Okay. So it was a good six years of going to every single fetish club that actually happened. So at the beginning, I kind of knew I loved it straight away, straight off the mark. I knew that it was for me and just went to every single club. I was the girl about town. So I was there with my little black book and my pen, taking everybody's telephone numbers and just, yeah, I was the bon vivant of the uh, fetish scene. So when I decided to start my own fetish club. It wasn't a, such a stretch of the imagination for me to find people to go because I'd already got my little black book that I'd been um, compiling over the years. Because, of course, that's how you kept in touch with people back then. You know, you didn't say, oh, find me on social media. You had to write their names down. So when yeah. I started my first fetish club, which actually was called the Rubber Nipple Club after a Ren and Stimpy cartoon. <laughs> Ren and Stimpy were door-to-door -door rubber nipple salesmen. And you know a rubber nipple's a baby's bottle uh, rubber teat. Like a teat, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's what I named my first club after. And I, and I ran that for two years and then needed to get out of a partnership I was in with that club and didn't skip a beat, found a, another venue and started in less than a month with Club Rub, which I ran for 20 years. And I ran the two clubs, 22 years, every single month, 264 consecutive monthly events without missing wow. a single month. Now that in itself needs a gold watch 
<laughs> a medal. Oh, it does. It does because it's, it's so hard to keep the momentum up. But you know, you have to sell something over and over and over and over again, and it's the same product, really. But it's not just any old product. It's fetish BDSM, and it's a party, and it's a good time, and that's what everybody wants, isn't it? And, and I love that. It's like coming up with different ideas to rebrand. Like, it, was it? I, I remember. I know that I came to one of your club rug yeah, events. I think we did. I, I remember. Me, me and you, we got introduced, you know, because as well as doing the, the club events, you are also, you, you've had your hands on a lot of pies, <laughs> I have. Kim. Fingers. I, I don't, I, <laughs> fingers, definitely fingers. You had your fingers all over me this one day. Um, it, it was one of my, one of my very first shoots in the adult industry. And I was shooting a movie in the UK for a production called Tanya Hyde. And I remember being dressed up in this latex and being shined up, yes. and you was that wonderful lady that dressed me. I dressed and... you. I put the knickers on. I put the bra on. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably. But the stockings. Yeah. Well, it's it's, it's not hard. So difficult. It's very, it's very, difficult. very, very yeah. difficult. So our friend Trevor, who shot the film aka yes. Tanya Hyde. He employed me because he knew that I was an expert in dressing people in rubber. So, you know, nothing was going to get ripped because of course it's very yeah. easy to rip rubber, very. So, uh, yeah, that's what I was there for. I was the stylist, aka the dresser, yes. aka the tea lady. You must have needed to make us plenty of cups of tea because we were in a dungeon. Well, it wasn't a it, it was it was a club yeah. slash dungeon. I think it was it Tottenham, was... was it not? It was probably time. It was freezing. Yeah, it was and cold. It, we were getting there at like nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah, in the middle of winter. Yeah, and of course there's no heating on, and it was freezing. I can remember having the outfit on that you put me in, and standing there, and I can remember all these people just looking at me like it's like oh there she is, and I was thinking I'm freaking freezing. Yeah, you're all standing there like looking at the outfit and the way that I look, and am I ready to to go and do the pictures? <laughs> Kim standing there all proud. <laughs> I do know what it feels like to be cold in rubber. It has been 34 years and many, many times have I been cold in rubber. Yeah. I've also been hot in it as well. So <laughs> <laughs> it could be very hot, but it is, it's, it's really a skill in itself to get yeah. some of that rubber on, especially, yeah. you know, the stockings, you know, are put yeah. the talc in. Anyway, that's how we met. That's how we met. It was a wonderful shoot, a wonderful day. And it, it was wonderful because there was a lot of males on that set and you was the the one woman even the makeup artist that day was a, was a guy called mark mark he yeah was, he was a guy yeah, mark yeah, english mark. They were, yeah yeah all they were everyone was great but it was lovely to have another woman there <laughs> yeah. just to, to be like you know because it was one of my first shoots and i remember we got invited to club room and we went to one of the events yes. and i'll be honest i was a bit scared were you I didn't, yeah i don't know what i was gonna expect did you do you remember like, the theme? Because Club Rub had a theme, different theme every month. You know that's what set it apart from other fetish clubs that we had different themes. So we'd have pirates, or we'd have medical, or we'd have uniforms, or we'd have sheer see through. So do you remember? I've got a terrible memory. I don't remember. No. I I remember. I just remember we went. I think we went to the Honor Store and we bought me and my friend Jordan Kingsley. I bought a new outfit. That was all latex, and I I don't I don't remember. And yeah. I I had my hair and makeup done. No, I don't know if I had my hair and makeup done for the event or whether I've been shooting that day, but I felt fabulous. But I was very very nervous because it's the first time. You know, you're going into something for the first time, and I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what fetish club really meant, <laughs> and it, I was thinking. Oh my goodness, is there going to be people like having sex everywhere? No. And I think that's one of the misconceptions no. yes, about people is. when it comes to, to fetish clubs. Yeah. I was totally wrong. It's not allowed in the UK and it's never been allowed in the UK because if you pay to go in somewhere and then you have sex, that is a brothel. Another word is a disorderly house. And that's one thing that the UK will not allow any establishment that you, that you pay to go in and have sex. A brothel. Yeah. But it was amazing. I went, the music was fabulous. The DJ was Peter O'Toole. 
And here's another performer that I... <laughs> well, no, the DJ wasn't Peter O'Toole. The, he was he DJed other nights, sorry. Peter O'Toole came to your event. No, he was my DJ from the oh, very, he was, very he was your first DJ. Club Rub night. Yeah, and and he was the very the very first club rub that I ever had that he ever DJ'd at. He walked in and just looked around and was like, "Oh my god!" And then ends up being a porn star. It's just quite strange, really. <laughs> and he credits me with everything. So thanks, Pete. <laughs> I was right. Sometimes I think my memory plays off. Yeah, Pete was there. Pete yeah. was a really good yeah. friend. I've shot I've shot quite a lot of movies with Peter O'Toole in the yes. UK. So so moving on. So you've got the club nights, um, and then so now you're also doing it as a, a lifestyle. Yes, you, you know where you are sharing experiences with a partner. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the types of play? that you enjoy yeah yeah. so over the years I've had uh, lots of different partners in life play partners um, boyfriends some more into it than others Um, but I've always had somebody that I've played with Uh, I call them sidekicks you know somebody that would be my my driver or my DIY guy or something like that so I've always had somebody that I've kind of played games with, played BDSM fun with. And, of course, everybody's so different. Anybody might think when they're not in the scene that it's uh, it's all, all guys are the same. They all want the same thing. It couldn't be further from the truth. You know, just like the rest of us in life, we've all got our different ones, needs and desires, and we aren't one size fits all either way, you know, the dom side or the sub side. So I just had a real good grounding in lots of different sorts of play with lots of different types of guys and and, and a few girls along the way as well. You know, obviously I'm I'm a was a party girl, so I would often find myself at a house party or a play party uh, and playing with whoever wanted playing with really. So yeah, everything from you know uh, impact play to foot worship. Okay, now- now I'm going to have to ask you what impact play means. Um, it's hitty things, really. Uh, in the UK, we call like, it... Like spanking. Yes, like spanking, yeah. In the, in the UK, we call it corporal punishment. And it harkens back to a time when uh, it was a military thing and then a very much a school thing. So I think we stopped punishing children by hitting them in the 70s but that's what corporal punishment is it's hitty things really so spanking uh riding crop a flogger um, a cane of course canes are synonymous with uh schools this is all like the fantasy isn't it you know so this is not something that happens in everyday life and it's when like guys and mistresses and women and people in life that want to um, engage in these kinds of games yeah. so we've got all the hitty things foot fetish i love foot fetish yes me too. it's like I, oh i love having my feet just massaged and pampered and played with and absolutely th- there is something what are some of the other things that you enjoy playing with um, I'm, I'm just enjoying myself <laughs> i'm just enjoying listening to all these things so cbt which is cock and ball torture which I prefer to call it cock and ball manipulation because not everything has to be torture. Anything from a light stroking to a painful act on the cock and balls can be pleasurable, depending where your pain threshold is. And the same with the nipples, really. You know, I, I don't like to call these things torture when sometimes they're not at all. You know, a lot of the stuff that I do is is quite sensual as well. And I also incorporate... AMSR, Auto Meridian Sensory Response, into some of my play. So I'll introduce the whispering kind of play with the sensual touching and maybe introduce some smells into it as well. So this is a whole thing that I've invented um, a few years ago just to bring every sense into the play. So not everything's all about pain as people may think it is and it's not so yeah so bondage can be another aspect of play so it's a restriction a restrictive thing so you can restrict people with any amount of different things from leather cuffs to rope to bondage tape to equestrian vet wrap 
So just like a mummification type of thing that all comes under the aspect of bondage. There's so many things. There really are so many things there that, are. you know, that can be experienced. So whether it's, you know, in person, playtime or, you know, moving on now, um, we've had the, the pre-internet times and now we've moved on, you, you know, things changed when everything went online. And then, of course, we had the time when we really couldn't meet up in person. So everything really did go online. What's it like now connecting with people across the world? How do you compare it to solely doing it in person, which is, you know, the old the old-fashioned way. Yeah, just having real-time fun with somebody. I mean, there's so much fun that can be had online and what girls aren't necessarily so interested in uh, is the dirty talk, which boys love. Oh, I love so, dirty talk. Do, do you? Oh, I love it. I'm so good at it. I, that is one of... You, you know when you have, like, certain things that your guys come to you for, like, mummy, mistress, dirty talk? That's up that's there. That's true. That's true. Oh. Yeah, well, I think it does hone your skills when really, if you can't touch somebody, then you have to talk to them and instruct them what to do. And obviously that comes with a certain amount of trust that they will carry out your instructions. So it, it just it just makes you hone your skills a lot more when you have to describe everything that you want somebody to do to themselves that you would perhaps do to them ordinarily. So I I I mean I, I entered into a social bubble with a with a dear friend during lockdown and we played every single week. But he was the only person I see. He wasn't a boyfriend, but he was similar to one. Uh, so we, yeah. so uh, all during the plague, oh, I still played all the time because you, you was inside your bubble. Yeah, yeah, I was in a bubble with him. Did it give you up other opportunities? And so you've got your guy. You're in a bubble. Yes. He loves to do yeah. all these things for you. And yeah. He wants to serve his mistress. So tell me about some of the skills that that opened up for you. So what happened was when we decided that we'd go into the social bubble with each other and agreed that we would not see anybody else, we decided then that we would film uh, playing together. I'd already got a camera. I got an extra light. He decided that he would teach himself how to edit Yes, well done. <laughs> I did not want to do that. And we just had a kind of a voyage of discovery together. He likes to call it his porn star career library <laughs> because he now has a library of every film that we ever did together. So I had a content website that I used to put uh, the films up on. Uh, I, I don't anymore. Maybe this is something I will do again in the future. I'm looking at other content sites, but I, I'm I'm in no rush. I'm quite enjoying the bit of free time that I've got because it is very time consuming, as you know. Oh yeah, being online, oh, yeah. creating online content, and you know, working your ass off. To be quite honest with you, but the good thing is, is I saved all the films. He saved all the films, so we've got that moving forward. But but it was a great voyage of discovery together. Obviously, there wasn't he did, he wasn't really interested in every form of BDSM. Uh, he had got his limits. He doesn't like electrics. He doesn't like anything nasty happening to his balls. But we were we were able to go down a route of a voyage of discovery because he was very much a impact play when I met him, and we ended up doing lots more anal play and pegging. Is what yeah. is what we ended up doing a lot more of, which he thoroughly enjoys to this day. Is that something? I'm going quite deep now in, into this friend. Before he kind of went into the bubble, is that something he'd really experienced a lot, or is no, that something new that you? He hadn't experienced it a lot. He'd done a little bit of it, but obviously, we got into so much more different sizes of dildos at different positions. I mean, you know, I, I'm quite creative, so I'm not going to do you the same film in the same way every single time. So it was my mission 
to do every single position with every single piece of apparatus that I'd got over the sofa, on the sofa, on the bed, on the floor, with the stirrups, with the sling. I mean, you know, you name it. <laughs> we did I We did it. Yeah, with a camera at the bottom facing up, with a camera at the top facing down, with a camera, you know, him holding the camera and filming me, me holding the camera filming him. I mean, it was just great fun, to be quite honest with you. When you're, you've got no other options in life and you know that person's coming next week because they're in your social bubble and you're the only person that they, you can see, it just made you really creative and it was, it was just something to look forward to and it was great fun. Yeah, I really, we both really enjoyed it. I love that. It's like the creativity, even though you've had so much experience, you know, and you've had a lot of time playing, but suddenly, you know, you're thrust upon it. Now it's a new experience because now you've got the cameras. Yeah. Now you've got, you, you, you're very restricted in, you, you can't choose all different partners. You can't choose all different locations. So that's really key is like, it's, it's really the same scene. Yes. But, redoing it a completely different way way. and when you've got to you really think out of the box and you don't always use a dildo you know you use your fingers sometimes you use other household objects (laughs) (laughs) let's let's be creative and the the different (laughs) angles you know and the different scenarios role play you know not everything is the mechanical process of just pegging someone it can be the whole role play scenario so we introduced lots and lots of different types of role play into it as well so it was it was great fun i i I love that so you know for me i i had misconceptions when i come into the industry you know about what fetish and what dominatrix meant what are like some of the common myths that people can have about the community that you can dispel Okay, so everybody thinks it's about pain, first and foremost, and it's a full gamut of different types. You know, if you're talking about sissy play, it can be very emotional for them. Obviously, you know, age play, uh, adult baby, that is very, very much an emotional release for somebody. I think another misconception is that all boys are slaves, all boys are submissives, they're all the same. I can't remember where I was yesterday, but... um. A friend of mine who isn't on the scene pointed to a guy and went, there's one of your guys. And he was kind of hunched over and he was very submissive looking. And I went, I went, no, 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 no. (laughs) I said, they are not all like that. I said, you know, I have alpha males that run high-powered businesses that wouldn't don't even look like that at all. So I think that is a misconception that all men are your weak, submissive, cowering type of guy who wouldn't say boo to a goose, and that's also a massive misconception. Yeah, so, so the pain and the fact that, you know, men are weak are two huge misconceptions. I think it takes a lot of strength for a man to indulge his submissive side, his submissive tendency. It takes a, it takes a strength of character, I think. It, it does. You know, that's, that was one of the things that I was kind of shocked over at first when I realised, like, a lot of these guys and a lot of my fans would come to me and they'd, you know, seek me out and, you know, as well as doing the playtime, then you kind of get to have a little bit of a talk with them as well about themselves. And you've, you, I realised that a lot of these guys in very well high-paid jobs, powerful jobs where they've got a lot of stress, a lot of control, a, a lot of people rely on them for them to be leaders. And then they want to have playtime away from that. So, which is where they seek out like the mistress, the more dominating, the stronger woman to relinquish that power and then indulge in playtime that they would not do in their everyday life. Yeah, it's true. It's I get guys for all d- different sorts of reasons. And, um, you know, once you start talking to them, you realize that they are all so very, very different and they all want different things. So, um, yeah, it all starts with a conversation. Get to know it who does. you get to know who you're playing with, you know, before don't make assumptions, you know, and that's one of the things I teach in my 
um, Mistress Workshop as well is that don't make assumptions about people. You wouldn't want people making assumptions about you that you're a particular. You know, I think people think all mistresses are alpha females who tell you exactly what you should be thinking. And don't you dare move. How dare you sit still, shut up and be quiet. And it's like, it could be further from the truth, really. We're all very, very different. And I can be like that, as you heard. <laughs> oh, I love it, Kim. I love it. I'm sitting here trying not to make a noise. <laughs> Good girl. <laughs> I, I, I love it. So let's talk about these workshops. Tell us a little bit more. You know, for, for MILFs making money, we have different audiences yeah. that do like to listen. We yeah. have guys. We have fans of me. We have guys that like to listen to different content creators yeah but we also have all that content creators that are looking to learn tips that are looking to learn more yeah. so you know this is the, the the fetish um the dominatrix so tell them a little bit about your workshops and what you offer yeah well i tailor my workshops to absolutely everybody you know i think it's a, a misconception that it's just to one particular group of women it's to all groups of women. 80 to 85% of the women that I teach, I'd call home users. You know, women that play with their partners, with their husbands, with play partners. Don't even have to be their significant other partner. People who just go to clubs as well, who like to show off, if you like. And also to girls who want to go online and earn a little bit of extra money talking to people and perhaps making some content as well. So I cover the whole range of women and, and really I can tailor my workshop to the needs of the woman that has come to it. So I've just started, in fact, today, uh, I've just um, posted some dates for some group workshops, which is is nice for me because then I get people sat in front of me, women sat in front of me, all eager and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and that's that. I love that an audience. But I also like the fact that I can tailor to your needs if we do a Zoom, or, or if if you can come in and see me in London and we just do a one-to-one. So, you know, I, I, I usually say to the ladies at the beginning of the workshop, okay, so if you've got any questions, as we go along, write them down. And then at the end, I'll ask you if you've got any questions for me. And I guarantee you that we get to the end of the workshop and I go, right, any questions? And nobody says a word because I, <sighs> I know that I cover everything. It, it, it's it's my number one concern to make sure that I cover everything that anybody would need to know. And I don't necessarily teach lots and lots and lots of specific subjects because I just think, well, you, you're going to want some, to know something different to somebody else. But I teach formulas to finding that information and deep diving into that information so that you get everything out of it. Because... There are some ladies who just specifically, well, you're probably, you're probably one of them. You have a niche market and I yeah. understand that. So I sometimes will tap into what somebody doesn't even realize that they've got. I was talking to a Scottish mistress and halfway through the workshop, this was on Zoom, halfway through the workshop, she said that she was six foot two and I went, God, you're the Scottish giantess. <laughs> and I went, that's a whole other market that you should tap yeah. into for all the boys that just want to be the insignificant little bug underneath your feet, lowly, under your heel. And she was like, oh, wow. So I think sometimes talking to somebody like me just opens your mind up to all of the endless possibilities of where you can go with your interest for BDSM, or maybe it sparks an interest for BDSM in areas that yeah. you never thought. I mean, and I know ladies who cater just for one specific area. I know lots and lots of mistresses that just uh, do the medical type thing. I got another friend called Strictly Miss Brown, and she only does schoolroom 
So horses for courses. There are lots of boys out there that just want that whole schoolroom scenario, um, mistress in a mortarboard and a cape with a cane in her hand, and he's going to get six of the best. So I let women realize that they can create a niche market and don't have to do anything that they don't want to do either. I think that's another really big thing. I think sometimes when you think you need, you want to go into a certain industry and you think, oh, I'm not sure about that. Well, you don't have to do that. I mean, literally, yeah. you don't have to. I always say to ladies, don't do anything you don't want to do because there's plenty of subject matter in the things that you probably do want to do. Yeah, that, that is a really important, isn't it? It's like going to explore the things that you like and have your eyes open to different ideas and opportunities and embrace them. And But then know at the same time, if there's something that you don't want to do, it, that is your limit. And to know it's okay to say, that's my limit. And, you know, whether it's play in person or online, I do not want to partake yeah. in that and to make it clear to the yeah. other person yeah. and that they respect. Yeah, I say a, a dominatrix isn't one size fits all. She's in control and she decides what she wants to do. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I'm going to throw a question at you right now, Miss Kim. If I was to come to one of your workshops, what would you be sitting down and talking to me about? Well, I'd probably find out a lot more about you first. So I'd probably help you hone in more in the areas that you're interested in. I wouldn't try and make you do anything that you didn't want to do. I'm guessing that you probably wouldn't be interested in inflicting serious pain on somebody. So I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't try and talk you into that. I would probably try and expand you on the areas that you are interested in and show you ways that you could go about finding out more information about those areas that you're interested in. And there's lots mm -hmm. and lots of resource materials that you probably had never thought of going to to find out those things. What I like to do with any given subject is just blow your mind up with all of the endless possibilities that you could possibly do in that one subject matter. Everybody thinks that they know what one subject matter is all about. Oh, yeah, I know that. I've done that. And it's like, when I start to talk to somebody about something and I go, yeah, have you thought about doing it like this? Have you done that? Have you added fun? Have you added this? Have you looked at that? Have you? And they go, wow, oh, God, I never even thought of that. So that's coming from a different angle. So that's what I do with you. I'd come in at a different angle that you'd never thought. And some of it you might just go, yeah, maybe not. But some of it you'd go, yes. Oh my God. I need, I need that. Yeah, you need that. <laughs> I, need, oh, maybe. I need to do more of that. <laughs> oh yes. Well, maybe maybe, totally we should, excites me. maybe we should do it then, darling. <laughs> <laughs> so as well as doing your workshops, Tell me you, you've been doing talks in other places such as the Bishop's Institute. So tell me a little bit more about that. Okay, so the Bishopsgate Institute is not actually that far from where I live. It's only about a 10-minute walk from me. But it's, um, it's an institution that was built and has been established for hundreds of years now. And it will never, it will never get knocked down. It'll never go because it's been left in perpetuity for all time to the state. So it's uh, the current archivist um, is into BDSM. He's into fetish. He's into the LGBTQ uh, community. So he's archiving anything and everything that he can get his hands on. And I was the first person that he contacted and asked if he could archive my club rub, fetish club history, and myself as the promoter. So I huh. seized the moment and uh, now I'm recorded in a library and archive, hermetically sealed <laughs> for all time, so now I can actually die. Don't die yet. <laughs> we, we love you too much. You've got so much more to give. Absolutely. And, 
And just, and I know we kept saying before women, 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 because the, you know, the podcast is called Mills Making Money and mm-hmm. we are two women yeah. sitting together. But also it's not just women that want to come or your traditional woman, should I say? It's not just your traditional woman that wants to come and be educated. Yeah. You have all sorts of yes. people. I, I had a, I had a trans uh, mistress last week who is setting herself up as a professional. She came and had a workshop with me. So I, I'm, I'm happy to do that. Anybody who's identifying as female. I do have a guy called Master Summers who takes the boys' classes for me. So, but, un, oh. uh, but under the Club Rub banner of workshops. So, yeah. 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 So, so if guys, if guys want to come and be yeah. educated, um, you, you have somebody. So I they do. can still reach out to you and you Absolutely. can let them know. Yes. Master Summers. Yes. Okay. So how does the connection in a dominatrix sub-role differ to the society's understanding of conventional relationships? I think there's a lot more compliance with a mistress sub-role. certainly is in my case. (laughs) Um, But obviously that will vary in degrees with the mistress and the sub-connection relationships. So like I mentioned before, I don't really identify as an alpha female. So I would consider myself more as a service top. So I like to think of myself as doing a good job whilst being on top. Job satisfaction is everything for me. So so long as my sub is happy, then I'm happy. Yeah. I'm not a bull buster. You'll do as I say, sit still, don't move, that sort of. So, so I think it just depends on the two people that are coming together and how you would negotiate that relationship. It's all negotiation. It's all about talking to each other and finding out your, your wants, needs and desires and expectations. So I think every, every relationship's different, isn't it? But certainly yeah. as, as a dom sub role, there's a lot more compliance. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. For those curious about the fetish lifestyle and who would like to experience it, what should their first steps be? Well, I, I think, it, I'm obviously going to say this, aren't I? But I think it's do a workshop. I mean, I, I, I explain all the different roles, you know, and I explain all the different possibilities of how you could be on the scene you know there isn't just one way to be a dominatrix you know everybody thinks it's a certain particular role and it's got parameters and it hasn't it's very fluid and you can go from being somebody who plays occasionally with your partner to then becoming a lifestyle aka you identify on social media but perhaps still keep your day job um to then perhaps earning a living out of it whether it's just talking to people on the telephone or creating content etc etc so obviously um i'm gonna say my workshop because it just it's a one-stop shop for everything that that you need to know i think fet life is another great place to go and have a look around there's lots and lots of information on there yeah those probably would be my um, initial responses to that question maybe if I stopped long enough and thought about it there's, there's lots of books uh, there's there was more books like 20 years ago than there are now but um, I think certainly you can find a lot of things out on the internet but you can also find a lot yeah. of rubbish and misleading things on the internet so you know be careful That's imp- it's important isn't it trying to like determine well which is like legitimate you know legitimate education and advice and not going not looking at something I think oh that's the way it's gotta be yeah or or it's if something's salacious for entertainment you know it could be made up to be quite honest with you it it might not even be real so if you're reading something you're thinking oh my god does this really happen well it might not actually it it could be someone's fantasy that they've (laughs) they've made this story they've made this piece over and it's their fantasy you're so good you've already i was going to ask you in wrapping up what advice would you give other women who are motivated and empowered to turn a lifestyle into a business Well, just have a look at all of the endless possibilities because it isn't just one thing that you could do. And that's what I do in my workshop. I tell them 
endless possibilities of different ways that you can earn money out of this industry. And there are lots and lots and lots of different ways. You don't even have to see anybody. Bit like right now on this podcast, nobody can see us. You can be talking to somebody on a chat line. You can be earning money via um, just custom clips that you just make just for them. So there's lots and lots of ways of doing it. So don't rule yourself out of any situation because you think you're too old, because you think you're too fat, because you think you're too uh, uneducated, because you think you're too... I mean, we've all got plus points in life. We've all got something unique about us. Find your USP, your unique selling point, and tap into that because there's somebody out there for everybody. Horses for courses, darling. Thank you. That was an amazing wrap-up. I love that, Miss Kim. And I really, I really want to thank you for coming on the Mills Making Money podcast, taking the time to share your ideas and your experience and your education with everybody that's listening. So tell everybody where they can find you online. So I've got a one-stop shop for where to go. So it's called misskimlinktree.com. And not Linktree forward slash, no, 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 no. I bought the domain misskimlinktree.com. I have my own Linktree. Hello. And you're also on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Do you want to give them? Uh, Listen, if you go to misskimlinktree.com, everything's on there. There are 26 links on there. Just go and start clicking. Don't even (laughs) let us tell you now which one to click. MissKimLinktree.com. Yeah. Get yourselves on over there. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful having you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you all for joining me on Tanya T Presents MILF's Making Money podcast. Here's to a continued most amazing future together. As long as you have hope, miracles can happen. I love doing these podcasts for you. And I talk about different things. I have different guests on each show. But maybe you've got a suggestion for a topic for one of my future shows. Or maybe you've got a question that you want to ask me that you might want me to give advice on or ask one of my guests, you can leave feedback or ask me irrelevant questions relating to MILF's Making Money podcast. You can leave feedback or ask me questions relating to MILF's Making Money podcast using the hashtag AskTanyaTate. You can ask me by commenting on my latest post on Twitter at TanyaTate, Instagram at TanyaTateXO or YouTube at TanyaTateTube. And of course, I love when you leave me voice notes on my SpeakPipe account, speakpipe.com slash Tanya Tate. You can get over there right now and leave me a voice message and maybe I will get to play you at a later episode. So let's listen to today's voice note. I hear you talk about different premium social media places. Which is the best one that someone can go to to connect with a MILF? So thank you for that question. Yeah, there are a lot of different places where I'm on different platforms. And you want to know where's the best place to connect with a MILF? What I would say is find out who your favorite MILF is. So are you going to do that? Maybe you've watched their movies or maybe you've seen them online. Or maybe you're going to use a Google search and start looking up hot MILFs. So when you found out some of the names of the MILFs, you can then go on to their, probably the best place is their social media. Twitter, because Twitter are allowed to put links on. So on my Twitter, twitter.com slash you'll find I post about the social media premium platforms that I use. I use OnlyFans and Sex Panther. OnlyFans.com slash Tanya Tate and SexPanther.com slash Tanya Tate. So if you're looking to meet a MILF like me, they will be the two places that you go to. 
But some of my other friends or colleagues may choose to use different platforms. So I would say definitely find your favorite MILF and go and follow them on Twitter. You can follow them on Instagram as well. It's just more tame. And of course, if you do want to follow me on Instagram, instagram.com slash tanyatxo, twitter.com slash tanyatate. And I do have a link tree. So that's probably the easiest place to see all of the premium social media platforms. Link tree. Tanya Tate. So you just, it's easy to just Google it, Linktree and my name, Tanya Tate, and it'll come up and you'll see all my premium social media links on there. So thank you for the support guys. Thank you for that question. If you have a question you want to ask me, let me know. Keep all that support coming. I love hearing what you think about the show. And of course, if you do want to get to call me via video or phone chat, you know, you can get me on my premium social media, sexpanther.com slash Tanya Tate. We can text instantly, phone calls, video chat on there, onlyfans.com slash Tanya Tate. You can slide into my DMs and you can pre-book Skype. Um, We get to chat on both of them, swap pictures, swap videos. It's great. That's the best way if you want to get to talk to me. I'm not on dating sites. I don't have private social media. I'm not got private Twitter, Facebook, Instagram accounts. I just don't do it. The only places I chat is on my premium social media, which you'll find on my Linktree. Linktree, Google Linktree and my name, Tanya Tate. And if you are listening to me on one of the podcast platforms such as Apple, Amazon, Audible, and you are inspired by any of the words that you hear, then please be sure to leave me a written review and give me five stars. And you can also give me a rating on Spotify. And I will be checking and giving shout outs in upcoming episodes. So mate, I'll be reading yours out. I've chosen one to read out today. This is on audible.co.uk. Big massive thank you to P. Lewis. They have given five out of five stars for overall performance and story. I'm going to read it to you. I I love, I really, I genuinely love hearing what you think. Let's see. A podcast sprinkled with gems. I love that title alone. It can be a challenge for anyone to make money online if you're going it alone from scratch or even if you have some experience of your field, sometimes it's easy to say to yourself, this isn't for me after a few knockbacks, but there is guidance out there. Tanya's podcast is a place to gain or regain belief in your ability. You'll get straightforward common sense advice that may help you along the road to success. Getting ideas for a different perspective, plus lots of air guidance applies to everyday life as well. God bless you, Tanya. And if you people get plugged into her knowledge, you'll have a fun listen and think of that money you could be earning as an independent business owner. You can do it. I love it. Thank you, P. Lewis. Podcast sprinkled with gems and that was a review sprinkled with sparkling gems. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. If you do want to leave me a review, a rating, I would totally really appreciate it. This is Tanya Tate. Thanks for listening to MILF's Making Money. Believe in yourself. Dream big. And those hopes will turn into reality. Now get out there and go build your bank. (laughs) 